There was connection and there wasn't connection, but now there's connection. Ah, uh, well, the important part is the connection. The important part is that you eventually do connect <laughs> on a deeper level. Well, you see, it's all about uh, getting people to meet uh, and and join on a call uh, in the same spot. So why don't you just meet me in the middle, is what I'm saying, um, where you can uh, uh, meet me on Skype here. That's probably a reference, and I'm just not picking up Oh, my it. God. How have you not heard that song? It's everywhere. What is that song? Uh, the middle. Uh, look it up later. It's fine. <laughs> Meet me in the middle. Oh, uh-huh. it's just called the middle. Yeah, it's just 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 oh, the you middle. Said later, you said yeah. later. Yes, gotcha. Well, see, there are TV shows called the middle. So oh, anyway, I don't know um, anything about that. What are we talking about today? Because that was my ish. That was my uh, in oh. response to you. Yeah. Um. Okay. So let's get uh breakfast out of the way first. Uh, I had a cultured coconut product, which is technically not yogurt, but uh, it is it is cultured coconut milk which resembles yogurt. Um, huh. It was unsweetened and unflavored. So uh, make of that what you will. With, <laughs> Hold on. Uh, Hold on. No. Sliced Wait, almonds. Can't. Okay. Let's, okay. Okay. Yeah. Finish. And then I will question. Okay. Uh, so th- there was that. And then uh, I had a uh, pixie mandarin. Have you ever had a pixie mandarin? No. Oh, it's like They're a mandarin. It's small. Yeah. It's very tiny. They're already small. Yes. Just small, super small. It's very, very, very small. It's like a grape. Uh, not a grape. Um, more like uh, slightly larger than um a couple cherry tomatoes glued together. Um, it is uh, yeah, it's not that big. Um, What's the point? But well, it's delicious. Is the point? Uh, do they have a better flavor than than a normal mandarin? I find that it has a pronounced sweet flavor with a very slight but noticeable tang to complement its sweetness. And how do you describe a mandarin? Um, similarly, but less sweet, I would oh, say. Oh, okay. So you're going for the sweetness. There's more. Th- there's probably the same amount of fructose, but packed into a smaller uh, area, and therefore the concentration of sugar is higher. Also, I prefer uh, things that are easy to peel. Um, so I find that this particular kind of mandarin is very easy to peel. Uh, it's, 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 uh, you never, you ever see those branded things, halos or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it, it, you just, you can, you can just peel it with your hand and take all the little segments out and there's no seeds and it's just like, ah, that's perfect. Wait, is a halo a pixie mandarin? I think a halo is something that Conagra or Monsanto has engineered <laughs> and owns copyrights for. Um, uh, I, I, I don't think a pixie is, I think the pixie is just a type. But uh, what whatever that's uh that's Mandarin talk. Um, <laughs> oh, let's go back to is was this was this flavorless coconut uh, mush a choice? Uh, yes, because it's it's a uh, healthy ish. <laughs> okay, is it is it healthy in the sense that? Well, it has no flavor, and it's made with few ingredients, so it's healthy. Or is it healthy in that, like, you know it has blah, blah, blah amino acids and this and that and the other? It just sounds like it's not I, – I don't know how a a globule of fructose and some coconut paste is a 
meal per se. Oh, do well, you feel full? That's what the sliced almonds are for. Oh uh, my god! Yeah, just a lot of sliced almonds. Uh, so it looks sort of like um, if you took a bunch of sliced almonds and then covered it in Elmer's glue, um, <laughs> because the uh, the the coloring of uh, unsweetened uh, coconut milk. Uh, yogurt alternative is is uh, I would say not as warm in tone uh, as as yogurt is, um, mm, but nice but, cool color. Yeah, it is. It's it's full of stuff. It's got your your fifty percent of your daily calcium. You know, forty five percent vitamin D. Uh, you can use it to set your white balance. <laughs> um, I mean, I wouldn't personally. I think there are probably better solutions for that because uh, this requires refrigeration. But uh, but yeah, it's 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 it's, it's good. It's good stuff. I mean, not like that's that's not technically an endorsement where I want you to have any of it, but um, uh, I just uh, just want to throw that out there as I I, I find it edible. Uh, so what what <laughs> what would have what have you partaken uh, in this morning? Oh, I just had some uh, plain Cheerios. Um, oh no, 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 I didn't have Cheerios this morning. I had rice checks. I, I put some rice checks in a big old bowl. I got my ground cinnamon out of the cabinet, tossed some of that on there, poured over some uh, lactose-free milk, and had that with a cup of double bergamot tea. Double bergamot Earl Grey tea. Is that the tea fort uh, uh, double bergamot tea, that one? It's No, it's made by... Who's it made by? Uh, Stash. It's made by Stash. Ah, okay. Yeah. Um, and it was fine. It was... I have I have many cereals. Well, actually, like most of... I, I've, I've talked about this before, but most of what I eat in a day is simply meant to be fuel to keep being alive. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't really care about what it is or what it tastes like necessarily. Um, I like I said, I do add cinnamon because that's something that is a taste that I do enjoy. And so that goes on there. Um, but I could very easily if if Cheerios had more protein in them, like if plain old Cheerios had more protein in them and I don't know, like vitamin C or something, then I could very easily eat that like three times a day and be just fine because I have more important things to do than worry about the food that's going into me. Uh, well, I'd like to think that I do. That's not the case because you should be concerned about how you fuel yourself. But yeah, I, mean, I wish that I could not think about it and just sort of move on. Uh, and Soylent is not an okay thing for me anymore. Um, it is very, very unkind to my stomach. So I do not do not uh, use that. You are what you eat. <laughs> And I am a big old box of Cheerios or Rice <laughs> Checks or any other uh, glu- gluten-free cereal. All right. So now that we've both had our gluten-free uh, breakfasts, gl- gluten-free lactose-free breakfasts, um, <laughs> let, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's dive into uh, news. Now, I know that last week, uh, iOS 11.3 rolled on out along with a lot of other updates of things and we talked about tvOS 11.3 but there was one feature of iOS 11.3 uh-huh. that, you, that you really wanted to talk about and uh, you specifically texted me about uh, <laughs> afterwards uh, kicking yourself that we didn't bring it up so what 
What is that? that? Okay, this is a really interesting story. Um, Well, (laughs) you you all get to be the judge. I think it's interesting. Um, So when WWDC rolled around, the last WWDC, uh, we had heard on stage, they... in the sort of uh, what's new in HomeKit thing, there's a video online where the guy's talking about it. He talks about how uh, there is software authentication rolling out for HomeKit devices. Now, what that means is HomeKit has a special technology built in um, for authentication. And so they basically sort of triple down on security. There there are three different types of encryption and and communication protocols involved with how the devices communicate with each other. Um, It keeps everything local. It uh, resets the keys every single time it does a new session for communicating. And uh, both sides of the conversation are encrypted. So again, super sort of locked in. Well, up to this up to the point of iOS 11.3 shipping, anytime a commercial manufacturer wanted to uh, ship a HomeKit enabled product, they had to get approval from Apple. And part of that approval included having to include a piece of hardware, something called the Apple, and I'm going to forget it, Apple Authentication Coprocessor. So it's a little chip that does all of the you know, all of the authorization processing. Um, Now, that changed at WWDC for individuals, for people who just wanted to sort of experiment with HomeKit and create their own HomeKit-enabled accessories. uh, Apple opened up the HomeKit spec so that they were able to do that. So I could, in theory, buy like a, a... what is it called? A, a Raspberry Pi and some other tools and make my own home kit enabled coffee pot or something like that. Like a crazy um, person. <laughs> and I, or, or, you know, anybody who's a maker can do that. And as long as you're not distributing the product on the market, then you're okay to do so. But consumers, or not consumers, but, but manufacturers, it turns out, were not given that permission at that time. So for the longest time, and Uh, Federico talked about this because he linked to my article about it. And he said, like, in his iOS 11 review, one of the things he touched on was that manufacturers were going to were able to use uh, software authentication instead of having to include that chip. And that wasn't the case. So a lot of people uh, sort of wrote these these post WWDC articles. And I think I was even one of them about how um, we should see a bunch of new product, not new products, but old products with now HomeKit compatibility because of this change. And the fact was that hadn't rolled out yet. Um, And so I talked to Apple about it and uh, figured out that basically that was, that that, that ended up being something, you know, when iOS 11.3 rolled around, that's uh, when the feature shipped. So what this means is people, you know, again, this is sort of theorizing, I guess is the word, I don't know, speculating. Um, Nest which ships several pretty well-liked smart home products. They've got a camera, they've got the Nest Learning Thermostat, now they have a few other things as well. Uh, Those products could, in theory, add HomeKit support 
without having to completely redesign and remanufacture their chips. They don't, they don't, you know, the internal components, they don't have to go back to the drawing board and add an Apple uh, authentication coprocessor. They can add software authentication to it in post, essentially. So a firmware update would roll out that would then give them all of the necessary uh, double key pairs and uh, both side. I don't remember. There, there, there are terms for all of the um, authentication processes, and it's in the article that I wrote. But um, it's a cool thing um, that is not going to change, you know, one of the things people were concerned about, well, doesn't this mean that these products are less secure? And that's sort of a framing error that people are making because it has nothing to do, it doesn't change the uh, security processes. All it changes is what is doing those security processes. And so it was sort of, in a way, it was easier and will remain easier for people to buy an already made chip that handles all of that jazz and can, you know, sort of solely focus on that rather than tasking their own chips that they've got built into there for different things with having to do the authentication. So for the longest time, that was the other barrier. It wasn't just the fact that you had to have the Apple, uh, authentication coprocessor. It was also the fact that these tiny gadgets that were meant to either be powered by battery or to sip from the power were not able to also do this really heavy authentication stuff. And so there was a, a limit, I think, on both sides with that. So going forward, it's likely that plenty of manufacturers will continue to use Apple's coprocessor, but it does give people or rather companies that have products already out on the market, the possibility to do so. And the last thing I want to say before we sort of chat about this is it's sort of funny seeing um, that I, I tweeted about the article and then sort of turned it into a thread talking about what this meant and how it worked. And um, it got retweeted by some pretty big names in sort of the iOS developer community. And it wasn't long before... People were weaponizing my tweets. They were sort of uh, quote tweeting me at different smart home manufacturers saying, do you see this? Where's my HomeKit product? We better have HomeKit uh, compatibility now. Do you see this? So it's this really awkward thing where I'm like, oh no, I want to keep good relationships with these companies. Don't weaponize my tweets. <laughs> hmm. Okay, well, I'm going to close this draft window here <laughs> where I had my message to Logitech about my Harmony Hub. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I gotta say, I I was one of the people who assumed that the software thing that they had talked about at WWDC had rolled out to everyone uh, and that manufacturers had just failed to act on it. But uh, it's good news that they didn't do that that it's actually just now doing that rollout i guess i mean i guess this goes on to uh, a list of things that i thought happened at wwdc or other people thought happened at wwdc last year that have not or will not currently materialize um uh almost a year later but uh the <laughs> but you know this in this particular case is just because i i guess i didn't understand uh from the coverage that uh it was only for home use uh the the coprocessor thing um was definitely a limiting factor uh because apple was also late to the game with their home stuff so basically it was if you were making something new you could put this chip in 
Um, but if you had uh, an existing and well-liked uh, series of products, I know the Wemo uh, switches were like this for a very long time. Um, mm-hmm. They were quite popular uh, and widely deployed. Uh, you were SOL because they had to go back to the drawing board and redesign everything. Or what some manufacturers did and what Wemo ended up doing is they would make this, this stupid bridge uh, uh, wall wart bump uh, thing where basically uh, manufacturers could uh, have a tiny computer uh, on on your home network that just acted as a bridge to their proprietary or uh of a, not necessarily proprietary, but Apple incompatible um, uh, stuff. Yeah, um, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, and, and so uh, that it, it's encouraging to see that happen. I guess now it's just feels like it's been so long. Um, it's been it's been a long road getting from there to here. Uh, been, oh God! And, <laughs> I hope you're going to cut in the music here, no, so that everyone yeah. can groan. I will spare everyone. Um, uh, but. But yeah, I just, uh, I, I don't, I don't, I don't love that. Uh, it, it, I, I feel like Apple has been incredibly slow on making progress in this front. Because uh, when I occasionally go shopping for different uh, things that might be useful in a uh, home automation setting, I primarily am looking to make sure that it's compatible with both HomeKit and with uh, uh, Amazon um, uh, product that I'm not going to say right now Aguilera <laughs> yes Aguilera but uh that that really is limiting a lot of choices because there's so many things that are compatible with Amazon that are not compatible with HomeCut uh and uh it still remains the case to this day like the Harmony Hub there is no alternative that I could get other than the Harmony Hub uh to do the particular task that it does Right. Yeah, that's a very yeah, that's a very particular thing that I also am sort of sad is not HomeKit enabled because I think that is I was talking about this on Clockwise um the last one I think it was um about this very specific thing that the the stuff that the Harmony Hub does including sort of controlling televisions and being able to in your case you use it for your thermostat, right? No, no, um, no. I don't have a thermostat for my air conditioner. Sorry, I have it. Oh yeah, AC. That's I it. have a wall unit AC that uh, has a has an infrared thing that can be turned on. You can trigger it. Uh, you can't do anything else with the Harmony Hub. All you can do is turn it on, uh, and that's what I use it for. Yes, and so that the beep bop. That is the thing that I wish uh, was was brought into HomeKit. Um, you know, I will say something that's been fascinating to me is there was an early narrative about HomeKit when it was incredibly and entirely fair that HomeKit was super limited. There were no devices on it. There were no, and I'm, I'm not saying that this is what you're saying because it's not. You very valid, but. What's interesting to me is how that narrative has carried through to today from people who aren't as aware of the tech space as we are. Uh, People sort of talking out of the sides of their mouth, all up in the Kool-Aid and not knowing the flavor kind of thing, where I, I hear this sort of, well... Just just sort of parroting the headlines at the time when HomeKit was limited. And if they took a second to go to like the HomeKit accessories page, they'd see 
more than a hundred different accessories that work with HomeKit at this point. And that, like, that's a huge difference from where it was. But again, it, that's not to say that there isn't more growth that can happen. Absolutely there is. And I think that we are right sort of on the, the edge of, of getting to a place where most of the most popular smart home products offer HomeKit compatibility. Um, but I have had no problem being able to outfit my home with many of the categories of smart home product and also have those things be uh, HomeKit enabled. So from from motion sensors to lights to uh, to buttons to switches to whatever else, garage stuff to everything, there is a HomeKit enabled option for those things. And it's sort of one of the, the biggest flaws, I think, when it comes to um, the HomeKit deal. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm trying to... Let me see. One of the biggest issues here is that the companies that have decided to add HomeKit support, many of them don't have uh, spaces in the department stores and in the the home goods stores and in the whatever like Lowe's and uh, Home Depot are. I can't think of the name of those kinds of stores, uh, but like DIY stores, they don't have space in those places, many of them. And so you go to, you know, you, you walk out physically into the world and you try to find this stuff and it's a lot harder to find than if you can order those things online. And I think that that is a big issue. You shouldn't have to go to an Apple store in order to get HomeKit-enabled products. Um, or if you do go to some place like Lowe's or Home Depot, where like the only HomeKit-enabled stuff they have is uh, Lutron and Philips Hue. Uh, and then they have their own products that in many cases they have not added HomeKit-enabled support to, um, but just have things like Zigbee or uh, Z-Wave. And... That's that's a problem. So yeah. uh, particularly when you're dealing with uh, customers who don't know, and you're dealing with uh, commissioned um, employees who are pushing Ugh. maybe a particular brand uh, or service. Um, yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's uh, that, that that's a problem. <laughs> that's a problem. Yeah. So I I am excited about this new software. Or yeah, new software option. And like I said, we are. We are on the cusp of these. There are companies that are only, you know, they're only just now getting to experiment with this stuff and make sure that it works. And all of the rest of the verification process is still there. So Apple's slow going. Uh, it's free to, you know, I feel free to say that slow going process of making sure that this software is compatible and that it's secure is still something that these companies have to go through. They just don't have to buy that chip and put it in there. So it's still going to take some time regardless uh, to get these things out on the market because they have to still go through that verification process. But I think we will soon see that change. And one of the things that's important to note is that and I said this earlier, but I want to you know repeat this. Many companies aren't going to even take this option because they are already they're sort of like the ones that are just now starting, or the ones that maybe are taking a dip into uh, home automation. They can buy a there there are companies that sell these little modules that have like Bluetooth or Wi-Fi support, one or the other, 
and within that is the Apple Motion co or is the Apple Authentication coprocessor, as well as a bunch of other fun stuff that they can then program for their own needs. And so they could put that in their own devices and you know customize it however they want. But then they don't have to worry about building it on the software side and making sure that it works that way. And it sort of speeds things up when it comes time for Apple to do the, the tests and make sure that it works. So companies are still going to use the chip because in many ways it's more convenient and it's just as secure as uh, the new software authentication option. Okay. Um, I think that wraps up that topic. Yes. And we will pivot to one last thing, um, <clears throat> which is uh, there There was um, a somewhat odd thing that happened last week, end of last week, uh, where uh, Matthew Panzerino of TechCrunch uh, was invited to Apple's campus to uh, go over pro workflows and their um, uh, decisions that Apple is making about how they're putting together uh, the successor to the uh, Mac Pro, the critically maligned <laughs> Mac Pro. Uh, that was a very interesting read um, for a number of reasons, uh, not the least of which is uh, the damage control aspect where um, a year ago, basically, uh, they had Apple had invited uh, several uh, reporters to their campus to go over uh, the fact that they're, they were starting plans for a new Mac Pro at the time, um, and that it would, of course, not be ready for WWDC, and they didn't want to get anybody's hopes up, and they didn't want uh, to uh, have anybody concerned that the iMac Pro would wind up being the replacement. The rumored iMac Pro would wind up being a replacement, but um, they... Uh, they held this weird meeting uh, for damage control. WWDC came and went. Uh, there was a you know iMac Pro that shipped, uh, and then this March comes around, and there's another thing. Only this time, it's just one reporter, and it's Matthew Panzerino, um, and he gets a tour of uh, various things and gets to see what's happening. Um, and the story now is that uh, it's the the Mac Pro will be a 2019 product. There was an assumption that was made that uh, it would be a 2018 product uh, simply because it was basically a year ago. Um, so uh, that was a little disheartening for some people. And uh, on top of that, you had uh, the fact that it's being designed in a way that uh, some people disagree with because they think Apple should just put uh, some powerful stuff in a box in a big box and uh put it on the market and that's all that they want um and it, it never really seemed like apple would be doing that and it doesn't seem like apple is doing that and on, indeed if you read all the parts of pan panzerina story about the things that apple has been testing it seems like uh external gpus eGPUs, are heavily involved in their their planning for the future as well as uh ipad interfaces uh for some of their pro software, um, which is interesting um, that they would lean on these things, but uh, it certainly gives Apple an Apple-y way to uh, discuss their 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 pro ambitions. Um, I don't know if you have any particular thoughts on this. <sighs> um, I I <laughs> I don't really. 
care too much about this piece of hardware. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have, and like this is completely selfish in the sense that I have been happy with the the MacBook Pro with Retina display that I've used and the one that I used before that and the software that I use works just fine on it and I've never felt the need to go any you know higher or or farther or better um and so this particular area doesn't necessarily appeal to me and it goes even farther than that Joe because I used to work at a place where I was cranking out, you know, three or four videos a day. Um, and like we did video news. So those of us who were either uh, video producers along with other things that we did or just strictly video producers were using Mac pros, the big trash can or the little trash can. And even with the souped up specs on those things, I found it to be an overall trash experience. Um, and I know like this product is supposed to be better, but it's just like, I don't know. The, the pro 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 area has, has wronged me in the past, I guess. And I've been able to get away with the prosumer, uh, which I know makes some people sort of groan, but the prosumer area. Um, so what I like is that Apple is focusing on, um, going through these workflows and trying these different products with actual creative professionals um, in some areas. I know that, you know, animators and, and G, GFX people, like I, I saw your tweets about that, but in some areas at least are going through with these creatives to make this stuff happen. And I like that they are paying attention in that way. Um, so again, let me just sort of, the summary of how I feel about this is I'm hopeful that Apple's take on um, getting professionals in place, creative professionals in place to test all of this stuff and their focus on bringing this all under one roof and making sure that Final Cut Pro works really well on their Pro uh, options, including the MacBook Pro that I use and love. Um, I'm happy about that. In terms of this sort of nebulous Mac Pro that they're working on that doesn't exist right now that inevitably will have loads of complaints because it won't be exactly what everyone wants. And I just don't, that's just exhausting and I don't care about it at all. And it doesn't apply to me. And so I just sort of ostrich a little bit when that uh, topic comes up. And um, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm being selfish to protect my mental health in this aspect so that I don't have to absorb the groaning that takes place yeah well i don't really have any particular groans um so you're you're safe on that front um i just uh i think the whole entire process of this has been uh very interesting um mm -hmm. in light of how apple has handled other products that they do uh that th this seems to have gone through all sorts of weirdness that uh nobody i think really expected um because that trash can, like you said, uh, didn't really make a lot of people happy um, and uh, never really got updated. Um, and uh, it needed to be replaced completely from the from the ground up, uh, etc. And in the meantime, people who had been customers of that product uh, for many things, uh, not all things, but for many things, have moved to 
uh, other products in Apple's line or to Windows workstations instead. Um, and uh, I think that is also interesting in that uh, it's a it's a shrinking part of Apple's market. Now, Apple doesn't really make all their money there, so who cares? And uh, we should just really focus on iOS. But one of the weird things is like when you look at something like the education event where uh, Apple is trying to say that it's a viable platform for education um, and that it, the future is basically the iPad, um, then it, it does become interesting to think about how this product interfaces with the iPad uh, in the future so that you have some sort of consistent experience for people. Because um, right now, like I think we said in our last episode, I don't really see a way that you uh, bridge um, going from your your iPad experience uh, in education to your work life uh, at mm-hmm. the moment if you're doing uh, many of the creative tasks that Apple chose to highlight as a, a strength of having an iPad in the classroom. Um, they're like, look at the, all the video production stuff you can do. And it's like, nobody's doing that on an iPad in real life for those tasks. That's that. Uh, while that is empowering, um, that's definitely not uh, a real world scenario at present. So uh, it, it's one of the things where I think it's interesting to see how Apple will wind up uh, putting the two things together, especially in light of the rumor that Apple is going to be moving from Intel chips to uh, ARM chips, their own uh, designed ARM chips um, at some point. Uh, 2020 was the thing in a Bloomberg um, piece that was written. So, uh, and there's also a Marzipan, the secret project to uh, unite the the development environments for uh, Mac OS 10. Uh, I'm sorry, Mac OS. Sorry, there's no 10. Um, Mac OS and uh, iOS. Uh, so that they can they can unify those things. So I I'm, I'm really interested to see um, because I think the uh, this Mac Pro might be the first place where we see Apple's vision for that uh, flushed out, um, and uh, it may be a series of iPads that you plug in as accessories with Apple pencils to use like a Cintiq almost um, with your with your uh, desktop Mac. Um, basically being a, a, a fancy daughter card um, and uh, maybe some external GPUs along for the ride. Who knows? It'll, it'll just be, it's going to be, uh, whatever it's going to be, it's going to be weird because um, it is not going to be like uh, a big workstation CPU in a box, um, which which people have talked about. Um, although, wouldn't that be kind of funny at this point? Uh <laughs> 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 it just it's just like uh, sh- ships it to you in different pieces and they're all tracked different they all have different tracking numbers and you can go through your little uh it's like a i don't know a, one of those Rube Goldberg machines on Apple store and you just you pull the lever whenever you want the product and it drops down into the cart and goes along <laughs> and then you choose all your different pieces and you put it together yourself and it's very unapple yeah well i mean they talked about modularity uh, a lot in that piece, um, uh, you know, the external GPUs, which makes me think that it's not, it, it's just going to wind up being a series of uh, small boxes with wires that you <laughs> that you purchase and uh, stack in interesting ways. Maybe it'll be uh, like Lego. Yeah. It, I mean, they'll probably have a, a, a bunch of people making special, uh, special like cabinets that you can put it in to hide uh, oh the Lord. wires. <laughs> Check out this very nice walnut cabinet. Mm-hmm. Oh, it, with, with somehow it's got chamfered edges. 
And then there'll be stories about how uh, there's overheating inside certain cabinets and you got to get the right <laughs> ventilation. This house caught fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Sounds like a nightmare. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll see. Um, but uh, like, like you said, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, somebody out there does, and that's fine. I'm glad that you care, and you should care. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't work for you, if you buy it and it doesn't work for you, you have every right to complain. Oh, I, I'm not buying this uh, thing, to be perfectly clear. <laughs> Oh, yeah. It's no, I mean, like, my price range. <laughs> this is two listeners. Like, it, to any of you, like, if you buy it and it doesn't work for you, then you have every right to complain. Um, I just am staying uh, away from it. Also, real time follow up um, <laughs> from Soylent. And it says, Guess what? Ha- <laughs> I hate that I gave them my shipping address. Soylent is now available at a Walmart <laughs> near you. So that's cool. Uh, thanks for that, Silent, for letting me know that I could, uh, go to a local store and, uh, get me some, some stomach-churning Soylent. It's, it's good news. Um. Well, they just really want you to have those impulse purchases of Soylent. Uh, maybe they'll have it right by oh, the yeah, cash register. right next to the batteries. Yeah, just be like, uh, yeah. Speaking of stomach-churning, there's one last thing that I want to touch on. Yeah, if you've got a Facebook, everybody go there today. Um, you're going to see a little alert at the top of if this is app, speaking in the app i'm not sure how it looks online um you'll see a little alert about the cambridge deal you can tap to see more information about it and when you do it'll tell you hey you accessed that app and so cambridge got your data on this 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 and this or it'll say a friend of yours accessed that app and so cambridge has your data on this 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 and this or you and all of your friends have never touched this app, so Cambridge doesn't have any of your information. Um, so you can get a little bit mm-hmm. of an impression of of what data has been shared. And then also it gives you a quick link to sort of remove links to apps um, if you so choose. So you can do that. And then there's an article that I will send to Joe to put in the show notes. It's a how-to on accessing that page on iOS uh, if you can't seem to get it to pop up in your main feed if you are still using Facebook, of course. I, I Well, that's one of the complaints I have about this that they released today um, is that uh, this should have been an email that just notified you or uh, any former uh, Facebook uh user because right now if you are a former facebook user or someone who is not actively engaged in the platform you have no idea about uh this this breach of uh trust that occurred um you you are you are not informed and uh this is a a very cute way for uh facebook to minimize the number of people that are aware of this because as we said it was uh 87 million, I believe, was the last count um, that was revealed by Facebook. <laughs> it kept inching up. <laughs> uh, yeah, in Facebook, um, uh, what was it? CNBC reported the other day that there was another uh, breach by another company that was working with Cambridge to make surveys. Uh, not Cambridge Analytica, but, another, but Cambridge, uh, the university, to make uh, surveys. Uh, and that company, um, uh, they, they aren't really saying anything about that yet, uh, but it's basically the same scenario. Uh, so 
look for that, I guess, in your, your Facebook updates because they're not going to email you. And I know they have my email address. They send me all kinds of crap. So um, I, I just don't, I don't understand their, their rationale behind uh, the, the notifications that they chose. Um, but, uh, the, yeah, let's see. What's the name of this other one? Um, uh, QBU. Uh, collected data from Facebook users uh, using personality quizzes for nonprofit academic research developed with Cambridge University, then sold the data to advertisers. QBU denies wrongdoing, and QBU CEO Federico True uh, told CNBC it had the rights and disclaimers on a separate site. Uh, the personality <laughs> quiz websites at the center of the allegations are jointly developed with Cambridge University's Psychometric Center. Its director, John Rust, told NPR that contrary to what CNBC reported, users consented to their d- data being used for both academic and business purposes. Uh, so that's a, that's a load of BS because, you know, there's probably just like some page that says, hey... You want to agree to things so you can use the, the app? And then it's like, yeah, sure, whatever. Get out my Get face. Get out my face. And then, uh, that's, well, I mean, that's how all of this, this stuff gets authorized. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's all rotten in the state of Facebook. Um, and uh, Zuckerberg is going to, uh, I believe, have a bunch of flop sweat today in front of Congress about that. So um, enjoy enjoy that circus. Uh he, I, 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 I'm just done with reading news articles about how he's, you know, trying to like bone up on things for doing this behind the scenes and how they're going to respond to the damage. It's like, I don't, I don't give a crap. Just, you know, stick it to him. Um, he, he, he is, <laughs> he is someone, uh, who has seemingly no morals or compunctions about, uh, this kind of stuff. So just, uh, he, he, he deserves everything he gets, I think. Yeah. I agree. Um, let, let, let him, let him sweat it out in front of uh, a bunch of old white people in a room. <laughs> I agree. Um, it's it's somebody's got to answer for it, and um, we'll see sort of how this progresses and uh, where this goes. But in the meantime, these are the things that we can do. Uh, but I agree that it should have been an email because there are some people who aren't seeing the pop up actually pop up, and if you're having to go digging for it, then it is not as effective. So. Uh, certainly should have given multiple options for you to be able to check in on this and see what data was shared, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, because I, I have deactivated my Facebook account, so I can't see this data. Um, so good job, uh, team. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I know from a, for a fact that I had disabled the app platform stuff already. Well, so uh, it... One of my friends at some... Well, by friends, I mean people with whom I said accept on the friend request um, ha- access the app at some point. So I have my data shared with Cambridge because they did. I, I never used any of their stuff, but um, yeah, somebody, somebody connected me to them through, <laughs> through friendship. So that was not great, but. Uh, so you had the, you had the app platform sharing enabled on, on Facebook yes. prior to that. Yeah. I okay. didn't, know it was a thing back when it was a thing um let me mm-hmm. see what it said to me which i think most people didn't i can't remember yeah. i i forgot i even disabled it to be perfectly honest <laughs> it's good uh, that's one of those things where it's like a, a lucky lucky duck where you just even if you don't necessarily know like what exactly it means or it does if you just said i don't want most of this stuff to be turned on then you lucked out yeah there was a period in the 
the early 2010s where every time Facebook would add a uh, feature that would reset uh your notification and privacy settings, I would just go back in and turn everything off and then uh, force quit the <laughs> Facebook nice. app again and then go rinse and repeat. Um, but uh, but I, I have not been keeping a pace uh, with uh, all the nonsense that's in there. And when I even went to follow your uh, your piece on iMore about how to make sure that that app sharing was tur- turned off, uh, I was surprised by the Byzantine levels of stuff you have to go through to get to that specific yeah. set of settings inside of the thing their settings it, it is, gar- is garbage, They're just garbage. It is absolutely garbage but it, it, is, it feels do, like it's garbage on purpose because search you... function in the help documents if you don't get the pop-up for this new thing if you don't get the pop-up you have to go into facebook's help center type in the word cambridge and then look for the the correct support document tap on that and then in that is the link to be able to see if your stuff was was uh accessed so that i don't know anything that's hidden behind i don't that you have to do like a search and some help documents that seems not great that's not where you bury settings that's not where you put those things they should just be settings in your settings <laughs> yeah unless you're intentionally trying to obfuscate uh the stuff which uh i i personally think they might be but um whatever uh <laughs> uh and uh that that concludes our broadcast day uh i hope you i hope you have a a a, a lovely Thank day you. today Michael. i hope you do and, too uh, and i hope that uh, that coconut mush and uh i forgot <laughs> already what the other thing was i hope it lasts you until the next time you eat uh, the pic- oh yeah the mandarin. mandarin and not pixie sticks mm-hmm. no no pixie sticks are gross pixie sticks are i i i don't think they're gross i do think they are a lot <laughs> that i i find anything that's a lot to be gross <laughs> okay that's fair <laughs> yeah it, it uh i i can't handle uh what, what is it extra I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't i don't i don't it's too it's extra, extra for me huh. uh very well pixie yeah. sticks the extra treat yes. how do you feel about <laughs> extra gum bye Oh, uh, I don't like extra gum. I there like you trident. go. This is this is a Trident White household. <laughs> oh wow, the 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 hard hitting stuff. Mm. That's yeah, extra yeah. in a different <laughs> way. It's like super mint flavor. It's like <laughs> well, I don't find it super mint flavor. It just has um, uh, there the flavor of it lasts long enough where I can keep chewing it, and then by the time I notice that it doesn't have any flavor, which is usually an hour later after it doesn't have any flavor, then okay. I can finally get rid of it. Okay. Yes. Fair. Yeah, but I also like that it comes in a little pack thing. Well, most, you most know, it's probably does. just like a lit. Yeah, well, no, no, but the it, has, it you pop it out of the, the thing, oh, like medicine. Oh, okay, so you like pop in the pills. Remember? Yeah, yeah, it's it's like I'm taking my meds. Um, so <laughs> until next time, <laughs> sayonara, uh, adios.